0: There is never, never a shortage of issues to talk about in Washington, D.C. United States Representative Sharice Davids, a Democrat from Kansas City, Kansas, knows that well. Welcome to the Kansas Reflector podcast.
1: It's good to be here.
0: Thank you for taking the time. I know this is a busy time of year. So let's get to it. Let's start with Ukraine. The Russian invasion seems causing needless human suffering. Are you satisfied with the U.S. economic response? Do we need to do more militarily? What do you think?
1: Well, I, I mean, it's obviously I would say egregious and it's also like heartbreaking to see the suffering that's going on. And um, you know, I when President Zelensky addressed the Congress uh last week, he uh shared some video uh video images of some of the damage that is happening in Ukraine. Um and I think, first of all, it is. I am really, really glad to see that the U.S. and our allies uh, are are coming together and imposing uh, sanctions and increasing the uh, the cost and the pressure on Russia for what is a com- completely unjustified um, aggression. Um, and I think that you know the uh, the desire is there. And it this is one of those areas where we're seeing bipartisan support um, to keep up the sanctions and to uh, make sure that we're doing what we can to put economic pressure on them, while at the same time, we're, you know, doing what we can in terms of uh, support through, um, you know, efforts to help them keep themselves safe, whether it's uh, some of the uh, aid and assistance that we're going to be sending over, um, to, you know, humanitarian aid and also, uh, military aid.
0: So I think, uh, speaking of, uh, restraint and limitations, I think there's a movement in Congress to try to make it so that members can't do a lot of stock trading trust in Congress act, perhaps it's called, uh, what's your view on that?
1: Um, well, couple a couple of things. One is um, just for for folks who might not have heard about it uh, that specific bill because there's a number of bills out there. Um, this one is a the Trust in Congress Act is a it's a bipartisan bill that uh, would require uh, members of Congress, uh, senators included, to put um, certain investments, stocks, and and that sort of thing into a, a qualified like blind trust uh, during the entire time that uh, you, they, a person would serve in Congress, and um, uh, it basically would create like a, a firewall that I help that I hope will help people um, have more trust in our institutions of of government. Uh, we're, we I think we've seen that it that's at an all time low, um, and then this bill also would uh, require the rules would apply to, uh, spouses and, and dependent children of, hmm. uh, of electeds.
0: So you think that's, it's a necessary step at this juncture?
1: Well, I think, I mean, I, I definitely think it's a good idea. Um, and I guess, you know, when you look at the last few years, uh, we saw just, I mean, just the last few years we saw, uh, too many instances where where we saw questionable kind of financial conduct by elected officials, members and senators. And, um, you know, if you think back to when COVID was first emerging, um, we saw some uh, trades by uh, electeds or their spouses that buying things like pharmaceutical stocks and other tech related stocks before the the public really had an understanding of what was going on. Um, with covid and you know i think regardless of whether or not any laws at that time were, were broken it was clearly uh inappropriate at at a minimum and um and i think that you know people need to be able to trust that that we're here to serve in in the public interest and you know we have a we have a big responsibility and people need to be able to trust that we're making our decisions and doing things in a way that's Good for our constituents.
0: The federal budget is quite massive, no doubt, but let's try to bring it home a little bit into your district. I mm-hmm. think there was some funding that you talk about recently about uh, trying to c- control flooding, maybe $15 million for the district. Can you explain a little bit what you're trying to accomplish there?
1: Yeah. Um, so, a couple of things, you know, and, and in fact, this morning, um, or I've uh, I went to the uh, Merriam uh, and was there with the mayor and uh, some of the city council folks to talk about uh, uh, a project to, to help limit the amount of flooding that happens on Turkey Creek. And, um, you know, I, I work closely with the, the city officials and county folks and the U.S. Car- Army Corps of Engineers um, to, to try to get some funding for uh, for that project and a number of other projects uh, to help have, hopefully, as, as many resources coming back to our district to, uh, in this instance, address uh, flooding issues that have uh, kind of hampered Merriam's, the city of Merriam's ability to um, continue economic uh, growth and development that uh, the existing businesses there want to be able to do. Um, There's also safety issues uh, with that specific project Um, and then, and then uh, climate, climate resiliency efforts that are going on. Um, And then, you know, there's a number of other projects uh, that, that we've worked on um, to get funding for, uh, including some, uh, you know, efforts to. Uh, help with the cancer research center that KU, uh, med, that KU med has, um, additional levy repairs for the Fairfax district and KCK. Um, and, but I think the, you know, I'm an infrastructure nerd. So um, uh, increasing efforts to make sure that places like Miriam or Fairfax are, you know, that they're, they're not uh, floodplain um, or where they are, they're able to continue their growth. Uh, I think those are, those are. It's it was. Re, it, I was very very pleased that I was able to work with work with folks um, here to to get those those things included in the omnibus.
0: Quickly, a related subject about uh, domestic manufacturing. I think there's some legislation that you're interested in on that front as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the um, the House and the Senate have both passed versions of the America Competes Act. And, um, you know, the, uh, kind of wonky details, the, the house and the Senate have to do a thing called a a conference to hammer out the details, but, um, that's a bill that's going to help do more domestic manufacturing. And, uh, the reason I'm excited about that is because I really think that particularly the Kansas 3rd, but the state of Kansas um, in our KC Metro area really have, uh, if you think about what the bipartisan infrastructure and then getting our omnibus uh, funding of the, or general funding of the, of the government, combined with getting the America Competes Act across the finish line, well, we'll what we're doing is setting up, these are the long-term ways to address uh, to address the needs that we have, um, you know, having good infrastructure, uh, to build upon, uh, when you're looking at bringing your manufacturing home domestically, uh, all of these things are going to be able to work together to, to get us to a place where we're, um, you know, able to thrive in, uh, in the future. It's at least for an infrastructure nerd, it's like, a it's kind of a cool series of bills to see coming across.
0: I don't know how many times you want to say you're a nerd unless that's going to show up in a campaign at attack ad or something. So you're at the White House for the signing of the Violence Against Women Act. Why, why is that important? Why is that important to you?
1: Um, well, there's a couple of there's a, there's a couple of things I would point to around the Violence Against Women Act reauthorization. Uh, you know, I, I was I. I was part of the group um, in 2019 that was trying to make sure that the, that the bill didn't lapse. You know, We tried to get the reauthorization across the finish line when I first got to Congress. And um, there's some, and then with the pandemic, we've actually seen an increase in um, issues around domestic violence and, mm-hmm. um, and assault and, and sexual assault uh, issues. And we have some really great organizations in the Casey metro area that work on those. And then the third district, uh, friends of Yates, uh, safe home and, and those, those kinds of organizations are helping people who, um, are, uh, in, in need of services after incidents happen, but also, um, you know, the. The Violence Against Women Act reauthorization included uh, provisions for tribal communities that were not previously included. And uh, it, it really addresses some of the jurisdictional issues that uh, tribes face uh, when trying to keep, keep folks safe uh, in their tribal communities, uh, particularly for when things happen with someone who's not, who's not native, who's not uh, from the community. And, um, and then there's also some uh, data sharing um, that, that's included. It's really hard to adjust problems when you don't have the full scope and information. Um, and yeah, so I think, I think that getting this, uh, this is also another a bipartisan effort that we were able to get across the finish line.
0: Okay. The Kansas legislature has been working on the redistricting maps or redrawing the map for the four Kansas congressional districts. The current map—it's in litigation—but the current congressional map carves Wyandotte County in half. I assume you're not pleased about that. It's a community of interest for sure.
1: Yeah, and I think um, you know one of the things that even before—I mean, even before I got in to to uh, before I even ever thought about running for Congress, uh, I have I've cared about. Um, this kind of issue, uh, partly because, I mean, whether it's a state legislature or a member of Congress, any electeds, electeds shouldn't be deciding who, who is going to get elected. It should be the, the communities, the people, the voters, um, should be deciding who their elected officials are. And, um, you know, it's a really important process, and what we saw during this process was a lot of a lot of citizens coming out all across the state, but definitely here in the third district to talk about uh, what they wanted to see uh, for for the maps. And um, you know, I'm well. We will see what what the how the litigation comes out, but I definitely think that um, we have to make sure that that that. People are choosing their electeds and not the other way around.
0: Yeah, it's a very raw political process, and uh, it leaves some Republicans unhappy and many uh, minority party people, Democrats such as yourself, unhappy. Recently, there was a shooting at an Olathe school, and there's concern about something I'd never heard of before called ghost guns, mm-hmm. just untraceable firearms that you could buy online and put together. Do you think there's a, a role for the federal government to play in trying to get a handle on these weapons?
1: Yeah. So I think there's a couple of things. First of all, it's, I, it's really upsetting and heartbreaking that we even have a situation where kids and teachers and folks who work in schools, um, even have to ever worry about these kinds of issues, parents sending their kids to school. Um, you know, and I'm sure there are a ton of parents who are getting text messages that you know, about a a shooting happening at their school from their kids. And it's just like terrifying Mm -hmm. to think about. And I think that, um, yes, I do think there's a there's a role for the federal government to play in making sure that um, particularly like an untraceable weapon being in circulation is not a that is not a a good uh, policy. We need to make sure that, you know, I, I think. Folks recognize that uh, there's there's a res- there's a responsible um, way to uh, to own firearms. Uh, you know, my, my mom was in the army for 20 years before she was at the post office. Um, in fact, she was a drill sergeant, and part of her responsibility was to help make sure that people understood the strength of the of the weapons that they were carrying. And mm-hmm. um, so, I definitely think that like getting particularly untraceable weapons at circulation is something that, uh, and I know there's some folks in the, uh, you know, at the state level who are also talking about that. Um, And so I'm, you know, I'm looking for common sense ways that we can address these issues. Um, I've been supportive of uh, bills previously in the last Congress, we passed uh, bills to address loopholes Um, and, uh, you know, I'm absolutely open to us continuing to figure out how we keep, how we keep folks safer, particularly our kids.
0: Got a couple more quick questions here. Excuse me. Uh, daylight savings time. It's, it's possible we can just make that permanent. Do you even, is this on your radar? I mean, Uh, do you, do you fret about daylight savings time? (laughs) I don't, (laughs) but, Um, but apparently, the United States Senate passed a bill.
1: Very, very. Uh, so, I would say a couple of things. One, I, I am personally um, not. At, I'm. I am personally don't feel as impacted by this issue as I know some people do. Um, I can tell you that I do hear from a lot of people about it. Huh. Yeah I, I, it's interesting. Um, some maybe it's a maybe it's maybe it's because it's been in the news but when I see people when I'm out and about I've heard I've heard folks um, bring it up but it doesn't seem to be um, as, uh, as maybe as big of a priority um, for the folks that I've been talking to around the third <laughs> district as the Senate um, senators might think. Right, My right. Uh, uh, before yeah. we go, I
0: wanted to, do, there's uh, some new federal legislation that passed about uh, reforms of the U.S. Postal Service. And as you mentioned, you, your mom worked at USPS. And I just think that's something that maybe goes under the radar in terms of the importance to Kansans of all stripes, rural, urban, whatever, to just have a reliable postal service. Benjamin Franklin would roll over in his grave if he knew it was uh, stumbling uh, and financially in the way it did. So, can you just kind of tell us a little bit about uh, what you like about the changes, financial um, changes?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, I uh, before my mom even worked for the post office, I've always been a big, a big fan of the postal service, um, and I think that I'm sure partly because of, uh, I mean, it's a it's a constitutional mandate, um, but also. Now, especially now that I, now that I'm in this position, seeing how many people depend on USPS for their medications, mm-hmm. um, for, uh, our small businesses, um, and not so small businesses, uh, to be able to get things done, uh, official paperwork, you know, these kinds of things. And, and it, it, it makes a huge difference in a lot of people's lives. And I think this is an area where, um, one, I'm again, glad to see, uh, us being able to get bipartisan, um, bipartisan wins. And, um, you know, this, this, uh, postal service bill helps to, uh, shore up, uh, the shore up the USPS finances, um, because they're quasi governmental, uh, entity that, um is has a lot of requirements and so this this helps make sure that they're able to stay um uh, keep their keep their finances in order and um, and keep running as effectively as possible uh, and also improve some of the transparency and reliability of the post office uh, post postal service um yeah and I I just think it's really really important for us to uh, to to do what we can to support the the postal service because it, it's it's such an essential service for so many people.
0: Congresswoman Davids, we could talk some more. I know there's a lot of things on your plate, but uh, I think we've, we're going to have to leave it there. I want to thank U.S. Representative Sharice Davids, Democrat from Kansas City, for joining us on the Kansas Reflector podcast. If you didn't know it already, she's running for reelection in 2022. Good luck in that contest as well, and thank you for your time.
1: Thank you. Good to talk to you.
0: Likewise. We'll do it again sometime.